0: Welcome back to the Anti-Failure Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kendall, and in each episode, I'll be bringing you first-hand stories from founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, investors, and other experts whose journeys to success have all crossed paths with failure. We'll then dive into how those hurdles and failures have helped shape them and their businesses. With me today is a close friend of mine, Terry Leckie, founder and CEO of Altogether, formerly Flow Systems. Altogether Group is on a mission to change the way Australians and New Zealanders access utilities, with recycled water solutions, efficient embedded energy networks and smart grids. Terry is an engineer, entrepreneur, father and grandfather. He loves his red wine and he's all round good guy. His story is certainly an interesting one and I'm excited to dive right in. Welcome Terry. Could you give the listeners and me a bit of background on your career and the entrepreneurial journey to this point? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a, bit of a tale, right? So
1: yeah, I started as a, uh, as a chainman actually in Dunedin and, and then uh, progressed to uh, being a civil technician, then uh, went to university, did a bachelor's degree in engineering and then grew sort of more into management. So managing consulting and engineering, companies. That led to moving to Australia to lead an engineering company here in Australia. Left that after sort of 22 years in the same company and its evolution and then started a boating business because I wanted to do something different and that was to develop and grow a boating business from the ground up. That led to several boating businesses and also assisting my previous clients how they implement sustainability into their businesses and That was consulting which led to uh, making some promises around delivering operations for those solutions and if there wasn't an outsource or a marketplace that could provide those services then i would create a business and provide those for them i then created a utility business and was in water and water solutions uh, and then and then that led on to to energy and is now leading into
0: data so certainly had a flair for starting business and and pursuing ideas from an early stage I even remember a story about a rafting company where you were Mm. rafting rivers and then decided you wanted to give us a little insight into that experience
1: yeah sure so (laughs) that entrepreneurship how do you develop that Wow, I can I can probably break that into uh, into decades so starting from sort of five uh, my my mother was very much a can-do person and would started a hair hair, hair dressing business in a in a kitchen uh, did cane weaving, did uh, flower floral arranging, uh, would buy and sell houses, all those kind of things. So that was my sort of first decade of exposure to you know, uh, my mum giving everything a go. Second decade, so from sort of 15 onwards, was a bit like, I don't care, right? I'll just do everything I want to and, and I'll give it a go a bit like, um, a bit like my mum and dad. And so I would work hard, I had a milk run, I'd work for my uncle after work. I had lots of uh, sort of money, more than more than uh, other kids. And and so I was buying cars and motorcycles and stereos and things like that, Um And then as part of that was, uh, towards the end of that, was about rafting. We had a group of guys that just liked to do adventure, and we do crazy things all over the place. But one of those was, uh, why don't we go and and buy an eight-person raft off a rafting company? Of course, they said no initially, we convinced them we'd take one that they were throwing out for $1,000. They thought we wouldn't buy it, but we did, and then we went... We went rafting. Uh, Then others wanted to come rafting. And so we said, well, you need to chip in some money. And then so with that money, we would then buy more rafting equipment. And then it just led on from there, a decade of of rafting and creating a sort of rafting business out of that.
0: Yeah, you touched on uh, the essence of entrepreneurship. And I think the biggest thing that I've observed in my career is just about having the courage to give it a go. Mm, And In this podcast, we're talking about the things that have happened that perhaps weren't quite to plan and caused you or got your attention enough to course correct. Can you give us an example of one of those situations in your career where you've been presented with a failure and instead of that being a crushing defeat, how have you turned that into your road to success?
1: Yeah, I think uh, possibly turn that around a little bit. I've I think I've had lots of failures. You just continually fail, right? You yep. give stuff a go, and it, it does. I remember um, I was running a sponsorship for my rugby club back in the, in the early days. And uh, one of those was about creating a raffle, a, a major raffle that was going to sort of earn a couple of hundred thousand dollars for this rugby club. And in those days, that was a lot of money. Others would sell uh, raffle tickets for sort of $20 a ticket, and I was selling them for a $1,000 a ticket. And I, I was trying to sell. 250 of those and so I had uh, you know guest speakers and there was some trouble with that but I uh, I had a prominent guest speaker I I hired the town hall I expected to have you know 300 people at that event Uh, I I got some prizes some holidays and got some gifted some I I paid for had probably you know costs of about $50,000 and expected to earn you know to to have revenue of about 200 to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars now that was a just a complete disaster because i think we ended up selling <laughs> 60 tickets and making ten thousand dollars fortunately rather than the other way uh but even just the event trying to make the and the event a success which we needed to continue with we had this huge hall and we had maybe a hundred people in it and it really needed two hundred to to fill it right wow so that was a that was a bit of a disaster, but you learn that you know, perhaps perhaps next time not not the think big sort of lead lead into it and grow that kind of uh, event from a smaller base and then and then grow it into that event. So, so it's a know. really
0: interesting story yeah. because the, the the principles are the same, right? At the end of the day, what we're trying to do as business people is earn more money than we spend, mm. uh, so that we can get some sort of return for stakeholders in the business and to learn it in a non-business environment has probably been a lesson that you've applied in yeah. all of your entrepreneurial spirit since.
1: Correct, I wouldn't say you get an appetite for failure and therefore success, but I think you get comfortable with failing early, you know, failing small and learning from that and then moving on to achieve success. There was one just uh, with your brother and I'm thinking of another failure Yes. It was that we decided we'd start a business together because he had a car business and I had a boat business and we'd join them together and have this lifestyle business. And so, you know, we uh, spent a whole lot of money on uh, advertising and uh, uh, and consultants and, uh, and then we would go out and uh, sell uh, tickets to sell memberships at $20,000 a pop on Martin Place in Sydney, right? <laughs> and uh, so we had a boat on Martin Place and we had... Uh, uh jeff's cars in uh in martin place and and we stood there for a week and uh we sold two tickets
0: but it's the only time a boat has been in martin yeah place. correct
1: correct that's <laughs> right but you know but that was, you know then we, we looked at each other after a week and said hey this isn't gonna work maybe we're a bit ahead of our time interesting isn't it
0: yeah. so looking back you you clearly have this entrepreneurial spirit there's something mm-hmm. in you that Gets your attention to then try and figure out how to make it into a business. Can you give us a little bit of insight into the nonlinear path of mm-hmm. business and and how you go from an idea to the courage to say, "I'm going to give it a go, and then the levers or the mechanisms in that in that journey that you use to course correct, learn, mm-hmm. fail, relearn course correct
1: the answer is sort of twofold i think you can either be led by the nose or you can follow your nose or you can have a vision that then you drive towards Mm -hmm. and i think i'd like to say that i chose i always choose one of those but i think i choose all three right yes (laughs) some cases some cases you, you you think you have a vision and then you then you see an opportunity to shift direction or to run parallel jobs or parallel businesses, and so you give those a go. So you know that's the non-linear. I think uh, the best that I found is if you is if you create a vision. So you you yep. picture in your mind what the ultimate uh, outcome is going to be for yourself and for the for the people that you're either um serving with this uh with this business or the and sometimes it can be a heady business and you need to break it down because people can't get their head around that heady vision but you need to break it down into smaller parts and then share that first part of the vision uh with them and then that uh that helps you to stay linear because it is easy lots of shiny things out there right so it is easy to deviate and and then it's about early on you you do make failures that hurt mm-hmm. and they just hurt and you just don't have uh you haven't experienced it before and so it creeps up on you and you don't realize why you've yep. had that failure and that might be you know, just run out of money okay yep. this is king and yep. afterwards just you run out of money i remember having a spreadsheet that would that was down to the last five dollars right that was five dollars and when a five dollars would come in uh, each day so it was a daily spreadsheet that told me right. when I was going to get my next five dollars and it had five dollars on it right yeah, yeah. Or, or when I was going to spend five dollars and so uh, that that uh, that was a tough time and you really you know you're on the edge and you mortgage your house and you you've uh, got no cash in your pocket yep. <laughs> and you yeah and you're waiting for that next check and it just for some reason doesn't come and do you you know do you sound desperate or or, or do you be patient. It's very, very hard to stay calm sometimes. So sometimes you then go, well, actually for me to stay the course to achieve that vision, I actually have to go off course and I've got to go and get some money Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or I've got to go and secure that part of the business so I can come back onto course. And that just takes you wildly off course. I recall trying to raise some money and, uh, and we were, we were a water business at the time and and that was when there was a boom in mining mm-hmm. right and so yep. we were then trying to reshape ourselves as some service in mining right? right right and yet that and yet we were Our vision was to serve communities right and so we said well we can serve mining communities perhaps right right but it was a it's a different model and so we tried to shape ourselves because that was where the money was uh, and and so we went off course went down a path that was was pro- was not the right path and then fortunately came back and came back on path and then attracted some money that saw our vision in, in residential communities.
0: Yeah you raised a point earlier when you were talking about the boating yeah, yeah. you recognised that it was probably not going to get to where you wanted it to so in the context of a failure like that you mm-hmm. had an instinct or something that said we might be on the wrong path i often see that in small business people don't pay attention to that moment and they continue to chase the vision yes. despite the signals of failure so have you can you think of other times where you've been presented with that gut feel that instinct that oh i might be on the wrong track here and you've made the decision and and other times where you've ignored that and you've ended up in a bigger failure
1: well the boating business you know share boating at the time blossomed and it went from three companies which I, we were one of the three to, to 35 companies right It was before GFC right. and you know we had created a, a model that we liked and that we uh, would, would have bought into if it was available for us and we thought was uh, was a perfect model and what we found is it just wasn't it, it needed a certain number of members to make it uh, successful to make it profitable, but that we hadn't accounted for people that would leave, or that would put their membership on hold, or that would, you know, just not use it, and therefore would just keep their points. And so, yep. and so, you know, that was a failing, and it was on top of not getting the numbers of members that we needed. Right. So it was a, it was a double whammy. Yep. So it just wasn't it just wasn't working. We probably should have exited that sooner. But then, how do you exit? But you hold tight. Well, 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 just to, it was how do you exit? You've got all these members who rely on you, have paid you money. You don't have the ability to pay them back. Right. So how do you complete the obligation? And, then, and, and that was about how do, you, how do you then get another company to mm. take on those obligations? So that, that was a whole underwinding. And actually, that costs a lot of money to get out, which we didn't have, but you find a way. So the lesson for me there was that we should have recognised that earlier and should have therefore planned to get out earlier. But then it's about what do you replace it with? Mm -hmm. And at that time, I had that consulting business that was leading into this utilities business. And just when do you stop consulting, which was bringing in reasonable uh, cash flow and was actually funding that boating business? Mm -hmm. When do you stop that and then go into utility business, which needed capital? You can't be the consultant and appoint yourself as the utility. So you have to get out of consulting to jump into utility. So when do you do
0: that? So you've got these these things getting pressures and and distractions or, or competing ideas that you're trying to correct pursue correct. And hoping that one lands correct but at
1: that time uh, we had a an advisory board which is just a bunch of mates that just had experience in business right mm-hmm. and I'd shout them a lunch and they would give me free advice right they listened listen to me I'd present to them and we would and they'd listen to what I had to say and they would make comments, and I would get one gem out of those lunches every time I'd... So it just cost me a lunch, right? And we had yep. fun, but also it was just... It was support. You're in this difficult situation. You're trying to make some decisions, you're, you're betting your family on yep. it.
0: You're fa- taking the risk. Taking the you're risk. you the courage. You've stepped Correct. in. Correct. You're course-correcting, and holy smoke, things are still not happening in the way that you expected them to. No, that's, that's right. That's a very empty and lonely feeling, and so the opportunity to... And I think that's something that people don't really understand unless you're in the shoes, how lonely it is chasing your passion, looking for something, Mm. believing in something, and then you're getting all of this no, and you still find a way to step in and say, you know what, I'm going to try and take the feedback. Think about how I can incorporate that and continue to set the roadmap.
1: Yeah, but it's surprising, isn't it? You reach out to to mates or or, or get involved in networks or... You just ask a business owner. They're more than happy to give you their time and provide you with support. And And because they're having the same problem. Correct.
0: And they've gone through the
1: same issues, right? Exactly. I would say everybody who's in business has gone through this at one point or another. So when you look at someone and you go, you're successful, you know that they have had those failures not small or otherwise. They've yeah. had those deviations from the path. They've had those times where they've doubted themselves. They're more than prepared to help others as, as we are. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think of the days when I started Aritex and I was like, why wouldn't everybody want to do this? Yeah. The reality is that the things that influence their decision-making aren't going to be the same framework or the same frame of reference that I'm using to provide that service. So it's finding where those things interlink. What have I got? And what do they need and how do we bring those two things closer together
1: yeah that's interesting
0: so if you think about the first failure or a big failure was there anything about that learning that you leveraged into your next success
1: absolutely i would say it's an evolution of failures and successes so you know we talked about that very early days running that raffle we talked about the boating business where we yep. decided to start to start the lifestyle business there They're just a few sort of examples, but I think where that evolution of failure and success has led to is actually creating a business that has a culture of failing early and failing safely, learning from that and shifting into those things. So, we actually have this business that we have at the moment, you know, all together is creating a, a new market. So, there isn't a private water utility market that dominant in Australia, mm-hmm. and that we are sort of the leader of that. But that means that everybody says, no, you can't do it. And so, and, 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 and no one's done it before. So, all those processes are, uh, are having to be developed, even though we thought we could just learn from the public utilities, take those processes and use them. And, and when we found that because we're working from within inside a community looking out to connect to an outside public utility or, or or not that it's a different process to sitting outside the community looking in and that applies for energy as well yeah so just uh, what lessons have you learned from failure and have you taken those lessons I, and I talked a little bit about my evolution of failure and success and I think Early on, it was that sort of external, you know, let's give that a go, and if it doesn't work, then okay, no real loss. Then then got into uh, managing businesses, and then and that was, well, okay, so I now need to understand how to manage people and how to do, manage business, and that's all a learning, and there were different failures and successes or failures and learnings and then successes in how to manage people, and I did things that, you know, Learned to learn a lot from <laughs> you know, yes, managing they people. Give you and stuff Very quick feedback. They do, and uh, you know, I recall uh, uh, one which was I was tasked with shifting us to a new office, and I had uh, directors who were probably ten or fifteen years older than me in my office,
0: and I was responsible for managing them,
1: and so I was allocating, you know, uh, offices. Right, in this new office, um,
0: they all had a corner office with big windows looking over the harbour. Right,
1: correct. <laughs> you're right, and they all wanted to keep that. And I and, and we didn't have enough offices in mm-hmm. this new building, and we needed yeah. to order it differently. And so I thought I had the, the right pitch, and you know yeah. I was you know doing the right thing, but no, I got overruled on that. That was like no, this is going to be my office, mate. And you yeah. just you know <laughs> you just forget about it. So that was. And so you you learn, okay, so maybe uh, maybe we should just accept that and ask them first. Uh, so then, then leading on to uh, coming to Australia and was brought over here to sort out other people's failures. So that was an evolution, which is, okay, so now I'm over here to sort out where there was a consulting business that was losing money, losing about, you know, one and a half million a year. Uh, there was a construction business that was parallel to that, that was was also losing money and was in alignment with a large uh, contracting company here, quite prominent. And so it was to come over and identify why was the consulting business not doing so well and and sort out the relationship between the, con- the major contractor and us. And so that was about exiting that contract, well, that relationship right. between the contractor and us because we just couldn't get that to work. And so it was how do I exit that and still retain a relationship, not, not a good relationship, but a relationship.
0: I think that's a really important point that sometimes failure doesn't get us to success No, but failure will help us get to a worse situation where the hole is harder to dig out of and it's okay to say hands up we're not going anywhere here let's have this discussion about moving on yeah and that's just the same as ultimately getting to success in my mind because you're reducing the negative impact of something that you know is bad for the business
1: and, and even the brain power and the energy so and just, the distraction of yeah, these just things just
0: sucks so much energy it's okay to say we're uh, done and after enough. and find a way and yeah. you mentioned it with the boat business you've got to find a way to help each other get out of a bad situation instead of you know taking the win-lose approach let's Okay, it's not working. What do we do differently, and how do we exit yeah. in a way that we're both helping each other exit? And that's, Interesting. And that's not easy. It's not easy. It's not easy. And so that's
1: what it. It's, it's good with the bad. You've got to you know suck it up and and, uh, uh, and and grit your teeth and get into it, right? Knowing it's the right thing to do. And often you feel feel it in your gut. The worst thing is not to make a decision to do something,
0: right? Yeah, my my team and I often talk about the newspaper principle that's the yardstick we use to measure if we're going to do something now Mm. and it's in a newspaper tomorrow would you still take the action now and i think if we think about integrity in a a way that we use the newspaper principle to measure our actions now Mm. it helps us guide through very difficult situations or what can be very difficult i agree it's a good one in your career to this point, do you think that there's been any common theme or learnings out of failure that you've used to help you make course correction actions or decisions? Well, certainly. Each one's certainly unique, oh, but is there a common yeah. theme or a common way that you now evaluate that failure or a failure at any point in time?
1: I think it is the learning from that. So it is, it is really about taking ownership and even if you pass the baton to somebody else you still own it because it's often it's your business it's it's you as the entrepreneur that's that will suffer the most so retain retain ownership and that can that's not you know control That's just ownership of all the activities as you gain more experience it's about ensuring that those lessons are learned early and so you give your people authority to act because you know, often they they put it off, right? And you go, yep. I, I give you authority to act. So if it's a if it's a people issue, a people performance issue, give you authority to act. Let's not worry about the consequences. You know, let's not worry about that. And we don't, and we want no risk around it. If you think it's the right thing to do, and you think the performance is going act, and same with uh, with a. You know, a business decision is is we give them the authority to act, and we will discuss it beforehand if if that's if you'd like to. But we can also discuss it afterwards. Yep. Then it's about can they fail in a in a way that isn't betting the bank? So they can fail in a way that that we can learn the lesson. The business isn't going to live or die by this decision, and so but make the decision and then learn from it. And so then you get people who 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 almost get into a self correction and so you if you can create that environment where failure is okay and that you and and that you as long as you learn from it you make the continue to make that same mistake we'll have a different we'll discussion. have a different discussion yes. right but yes. and it's how do you how do you how do you create that environment i,
0: I think also the authority to act yes comes with a responsibility to own so mm-hmm. if i've taken an action and I some I know that it's a problem, or that there's a potential increase in risk of some outcome that I wasn't anticipating. It's better to bring that back to the group that gave the authority to act than just hope that it goes away and is unnoticed. Agree, agree. Absolutely. So yes, I, I think it's it's a two-way thing, right? I'm giving yeah. you the authority, but you ha- you need to include me in anything that you discover that we didn't know at the time when we gave you authority.
1: Yeah. Uh, you'd probably think about how do you react to that when when that person brings it back to the group right it's almost right. like you you would applaud that action in itself as, thank you for bringing that back to the group that's you know that's exactly the the uh, agreement that we we have yep um and we support you in this and now let's see what we can learn from it
0: so that's an interesting point because i know sometimes when i get information that catches me by surprise or catches me off guard my reaction can be poorly thought through what do you put in place to make sure that the person bringing you that detail that you didn't know they're not hit with the big stick or or not your reaction is not in a way that encourages them to bring forward that information
1: I think it's leading by example it's your own behavior Mm -hmm. so how does an entrepreneur behave Mm -hmm. and so if you're a if you're if you're a leader Yep. You need to be a leader as well as an entrepreneur, leader of people. Yes. Then uh, uh, you need to act like a leader.
0: Yeah. So, but there are ty- there must be times where you have reacted in a way that is inconsistent with being a leader, just because of all of the circumstances that are around you. Do you own up to that? Do you how do, how do you make good on that reaction so that it doesn't impact? Your team's ability to bring you things in the future. Yeah, good. Oh, look,
1: my approach is calm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm a calm person anyway. So, a yep. passionate, yep. but, but but calm. And I always uh, like to triangulate things. Mm-hmm. So so you get you get a a piece of information, mm-hmm. and and if I jumped it, every piece, that first piece of information, I, I you know.
0: We'd be jumping all day. we
1: be jumping all day, you know. So, you, you so you therefore are uh, knowing that you have to go to two other sources to just triangulate that information. So that allows you to be calm, because you accept that. You know, Thank you. That's okay. That's great. Let's uh, let's think about who else we need in the room to digest this, and then you you look to others or you look to other sources to just triangulate. Is that actually true? And and then. Always, you know, there's
0: something, there's some reason why that has occurred. So Mm. what's that reason? And that's the gem, I think. Yeah. If we can get onto where Mm. did the process break down? Yes. We can anticipate or improve that process to try and eliminate that reason from happening again. Correct. And that's, there's the learning, right? My experience is it's very rarely the person. Mm. it's the process or the lack of information and in many ways it's the courage to make a decision with limited information because we'll never have perfect information so it's taking the learning away around where did the process break down or what what else in the infrastructure do we need to provide Mm. to stop that problem from happening again yes and i think that is
1: true for your people Mm -hmm. and i think for as an entrepreneur though you sort of as you get comfortable with the process of failure mm-hmm. and therefore learning and therefore success, I think you'll find that in achieving your, your vision that you will get comfortable with taking on a task or taking on a, a goal that you know might fail because you don't have all the information. Right. But you know that you will identify when you've failed early and you know that you will you have the uh, the ability within your team, within your business to learn the lesson and therefore to fix that and then move on. Yeah. And and I know in our business that we are pioneering every day. And so we no one has done this before. So we can't mm-hmm. look to and if you think about cost, for example, how much does it cost to to build a local water center? well, we didn't have local water centers you know of this description you know 10 years ago so you had to build something you had to build one right mm-hmm. to identify and then you go well actually I can improve it what does that improved one cost yep. and so then you have to build another one right right and then you go okay so now i I, I failed because I, I couldn't achieve that to budget we were sort of a bit, bit hopeful and and then you go okay so now it doesn't quite work right so've I've worked out what it costs but now I've got it doesn't quite work because when it rains, I get too much. And what do I do with that too much? Well, I truck it away and that costs too much. So now my costs, my operational costs, you know, it's that kind of, okay. So then you, you, you identify that as a failure and you go, okay, so what do we learn from that?
0: Yeah, It's, it's a, it's a really good point. And actually it's a good segue into talking about data and numbers and how do you use data and numbers? And you talked about it just then in terms of we had a budget. Yep we executed against that budget there were things we didn't know about so we course corrected we came back with a revised model how do you how do you use data in the decision making process and can you use data to reduce the impact of a failure absolutely
1: collecting data is is invaluable right and so it's almost like how do you initially when you're growing a business how do you have that person that is just manipulating data and putting it in a format that Make sense mm-hmm. and you can get people who are good at presenting data but it doesn't mean anything right? you look at it and go well what does that mean right and you get people that that can um look at the data and go oh, look this is what i think it it should this is the way in which we should present it and this is what it is telling us right and so getting somebody in your business whether it be yourself and you teach yourself how to do that or you get somebody that's it's it's, it's in, invaluable so not many people they think about you know getting a cfo and they think about getting a you know exec manager and they think about getting you know but but what about somebody who is just going to uh, manage your data and you might outsource that right mm-hmm. so we're pretty good at getting financial data yep in a, in an accounting context but what about operational data and what about historical expenditure you know, in different forms, right? And, and then it's about, well, how to, how about you, you know, your growth, so how have you grown? And what are the dynamics behind that? And how does that, because you want that data not only to look back and go, I've learned the lessons, yep. but also to project forward and, and see if you're going to achieve your goal. For
0: sure. So it's valuable. interesting, I also think that, yes, data, accurate data and information is critical to be able to manage and execute a vision but it's also the gut instinct and so when the data conflicts with the gut how do you where do you go from that point i'm going to
1: back it up a little bit yeah right, so one is you go okay so that data doesn't match my gut so what i i do is i go back to the data and say is that the right data what's the where do we get that data from does it have accuracy is it accurate data that we're working with and then, have we got all the data? And is it the right data in this context? Correct. Mm-hmm. Are we asking the right mm-hmm. question? Yeah. Right. So, I think it's 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 it, 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 it's about if your gut's telling you something else, then then it's probably wrong. The data's probably wrong. Right. And so, therefore, analyze. You know, interrogate that data. I'll give you one example. So we. Created a customer a service center, so a retail team. It's about 40 or 50 people. Had an expert come in to do workforce analysis. So created the models for us so that we could work out how we could roster our people on and how many we would need. What are those activities they're doing? And therefore, how could we manage our people in a way that ensured they weren't overloaded? They got breaks and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So we we had this super-duper model, right? And um, embarking on initiatives that were about automation, were about resizing our client base. So what are are non-strategic clients and what are strategic clients? Those clients that aren't going to help us to achieve our vision and those that are. And then we said, okay, so what if we remove these non-strategic clients? What would that do to our workforce? And the answer was, well, it does nothing. We put it through the model and it doesn't change it. It might change at half a person in collections and maybe, you know, point 0.2 in billing and, you know, whatever. But doesn't move the dial. But doesn't move the dial. And I go, that can't be right. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're talking about removing 35% of our client base right. and it's not turning the dial. We've got right. something wrong, right? Or have I asked the wrong question, right? And, and
0: therefore got the wrong data.
1: And therefore, the model. correct, right? So it, it, it just led to my gut's telling me it's right. So then we just said, okay, so let's try slicing and dicing this data in different ways. Let's check the data. Let's get a number of other people in the business involved. Let's ask them what would they think the outcome should be? So is it just my gut? Right. And I say, well, of course, we'll we'll reduce people. How many do you think? Well, we wouldn't you know we can and, and it was not about reducing people it was about we had such turnover at that time that we couldn't fill those positions
0: right? yes
1: so it wasn't about it was just about well we we're just creating a problem for ourselves yep. and the data was was well the, sorry the question i think was leading to a data set that was giving us an answer that I that I didn't believe, and others, when I asked them,
0: said, no, that doesn't, doesn't feel right, doesn't smell right. So this is something we refer to as conscious curiosity. Right. And I yes. think in our business, we used to call it critical thinking. Mm. And critical has sort of a negative connotation to me. Yeah. Whereas if we can be consciously curious, that's going to extend the gut reaction into... I need to understand the context, I need to understand the data, and I need to understand how those two things work together to give us an outcome. And if all those three things are aligned by being consciously curious, we can make better and more informed decisions.
1: And you, create, and you probably create a culture of curiosity which reflects throughout the organization, which right. will get a whole lot of other benefits. Just, it just becomes a way of doing things,
0: right? And it comes back to that leadership if i'm demonstrating i want to ask questions to figure out what happened and why i don't ask questions in order to blame and so as long as we're working together as all of the leaders in our organization to give that sense of i want to drill it's almost like a young kid you know but why but why why tell me why and then at the end of the day you're pulling your hair out just because yeah but if we can if we can extend that conscious curiosity in the way that we lead our team, I think it gives that safety net we talked about earlier. It'll help us slow down, help us remain calm, and I can do some work on that. But I think at the end of the day, we're all coming with good intentions, and if we can twist the the way of viewing the data, trusting the gut, and then coming to an outcome that we then go and execute, and it could be five minutes where we have to go through the same process, it could be two days, it could be three months, but constantly evaluating through this lens of being curious. In 2022, you were awarded APAC Entrepreneur of the Year, a stellar award, and I'm sure well-deserved. But can you tell us a little bit about that and how it came to be?
1: It's interesting that we do such good work here in Australia and we're recognized by others uh, outside (laughs) of Australia. So it's interesting, you don't really know where that first connection comes from, but we, we built a uh, a facility in 2010 that was the largest of its kind in the world, okay, and still is. We would do a, a tour group a week through that uh, facility uh, for the last you know 12, 13 years, and probably 80% of those would be from overseas. So it reflects and 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 gets a life of its own, and they you know ask questions, and then and then there were. Lots of proposals to replicate that in other, you know, Kuala Lumpur, for example, right. was was going to have one of these. And for certain, you know, reasons, they didn't uh, proceed with that. And they, they would um, reduce the size of it and, and focus on another part of the water cycle. So, which is okay, but I'm just saying, so that, that kind of uh, accolade, you know, You become sort of an overnight success after twelve years. Yes, (laughs) interesting. But but it's also the evolution of that. As you so, this was a a local water centre in the basement of a residential building. The largest in in the world is five levels below ground. Does more than one point three megaliters of wastewater a day. That development is a whole is a whole city block, uh, and and it takes you know seven or eight nine years for that to develop so it takes a while for you get to full occupancy and they're still just building the last of those buildings now right so so that sort of evolution so you've got people that that come and have a look at it but it isn't fully finished yet and and so finally after 10 years it's got to that stage where it's fully occupied and I think that's why we see an operating model that uh, includes the whole of the service Not just building, not just operating, not just serving customers, but actually having feedback from customers and then improving those, so lessons learned.
0: It's alongside my, my principle, I guess, that if you try to build something to get an award, you'll fail more often than you succeed. If you stay true to your vision and you work on creating value for not only the team of people that are on the journey with you, but the stakeholders and the, uh, and the people that you serve, value ultimately or the award ultimately will take care of itself. If we think about the context of building businesses to create value for everyone involved, my team, the stakeholders, the people who backed me early on, the customers, the, the people that we're engaging with on a day-to-day basis, almost the award at the end of it is irrelevant because it'll just take care of itself.
1: Yep, absolutely agree. Yeah. Absolutely. We're not doing it for the awards. No,
0: no. You're doing it to change the way water gets recycled and used in a world where we need more water. Speaking of that, you're in a competitive industry with some really heavy hitters. But it sounds like you've still got the the internal courage to be able to take that on in a way that perhaps they can't. Can you talk a little bit about how you can be nimble and how you take on the heavy hitters and how vision or execution play an important role in that?: mm.
1: Yeah, so we we are competing uh, in our water sense against the uh, incumbents, and they they effectively have a monopoly. We are working under a, a piece of legislation that's called the Water Industry Competition Act. It's, it's like David fighting Goliath, mm-hmm. and you're fighting regulation, you're fighting uh, monopoly money, you're fighting yep. uh, incumbency, you're fighting legacy. But it just drives you harder to think about what are the what are the the customers, who are the clients that you you work, with and what are their needs, and how can we provide them with so many solutions to their needs that they just can't ignore it mm-hmm. uh, and and getting to understand those needs is difficult because they they're not they're not things they talk about right, right. So and, and and so you think you understand that and yes. and you provide them with those kind of solutions and and they don't pick it up and you wonder why mm-hmm. and it's different for different companies mm-hmm. thought about it. our own companies with different so drivers, I suppose, and and at different times in the evolution of our company. So, so that's uh, that's been an interesting journey. And 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 you try something, you think that that is the the right way to go, and then you don't get the response. So it's almost like a failure. You don't get the response, so you reevaluate and you and you try again. We've now, you know, delivered eight or ten of these types of communities, and they're at varying stages of of. Um, a completion from a customer perspective and there are lessons in all of that there are lessons in every every one of those um, right. and so I think we are probably just have got into a rhythm where we understand there will be failures and that's part of our mm. it's part of the success of our business right. Right? right so that's how we succeed is by making by having failures and by learning the lessons and that there will be more and in fact we want more because yep. that's how we succeed. Yeah, <laughs>
0: that's, how perhaps, we succeed. Yep. that's how we can shift the dial and, and create innovative product that perhaps Correct. other people aren't in the in the position to do. Correct. So one of those things about having
1: that kind of success, learn, fail, sorry, fail, learn, success, is about your comfort zone, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a comfort zone, it's only a small initially, mm-hmm. and so you've got to practice it. You've got to fail, mm-hmm. right, in order to learn, Yep. in order to succeed. Mm-hmm. So you've got to do it more, do it a lot, and then your comfort zone for that increases. And then you that's thats not only for you as an entrepreneur, but it's also for your organisation. And then you bring new people in and they're starting very small and you've got to...
0: That's a fascinating them. point. Uh, and I think as the comfort zone grows it's not arrogance it's no. confidence to know that i'm my risk tolerance now is higher than when my comfort zone was small yes and and the only way comfort zone can grow is by challenging what perhaps has worked in the past or perhaps not and mm. what has worked in the past but willing to take one more step it's the first step of the entrepreneur journey is the willingness to step in have the courage to back yourself and go all out yep And that's all we're doing in in business every day is we're taking all of the things that are impacting the business, us, whatever, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to make the best possible decision. And as we grow that comfort zone, the tolerance for risk, I think, becomes a little higher. Correct. Until that one point when you have (laughs) a massive failure and you're back down at ground zero. Yeah, but I think you get, yes. Yes.
1: Back yourself. Think, think, yeah, back yourself. I think you back yourself. You get better at that, right, right? And, and, yeah. and small failures and, and keeping ownership so that you've got your eye on it. You're not, mm-hmm. You not haven't released that ownership. You've released that sort of control. Then, uh, then you, that keeps your eye on it, right? Mm-hmm. You go, okay, I've got that person in that position, but I'm not taking my eye off that.
0: As an entrepreneur, there's a very fine line between the work environment and the home environment. And one of the things that I love about you most is that your family are extremely important to you. And so how do you find a way to manage all of the different conflicting demands on your time to manage or lead the business, but not have it impact your ability to spend time with your family and granddaughter and and the people who matter to you? Look, it, uh, it is a little bit
1: of a sacrifice by all, Yes, it is a bit of a sacrifice for your family. I, we started the, the boating business, my wife and I. So, so I had been in consulting for 22 years, yep. senior management positions, travelling throughout Asia. So we created uh, an expectation with our family that Dad would, uh, would, would get there if he could, uh-huh. But that we wouldn't expect that he would. So that when when I was able to get there, it was a it was excitement and surprise, and there wasn't a disappointment necessarily. So about managing expectations and doing your best to be there and be present when you're there. Sometimes that's difficult when you've yep. got issues going on
0: and work. So mm-hmm. so making sure that I was and present. Vice versa. Yeah, and vice versa. When vice versa. things in in the family are not going so well, yep, that flows or leaks into the business.
1: Yeah. I think we uh when when I left that and worked into uh, we'd start a boating business together. That would be great for our family and we'd be able to do it together, which is, you know, outstanding. And that was that became sort of more difficult as we had the three paths, creating boating business and running them and my wife was running the customer front for that and doing all of the operations which was fantastic and I was doing all of the sales and the technical you know straight strategy and the maintenance of those yep. of those boats and then I was running the consulting business alongside that and then looking to grow it into the utilities business It then meant that in that transition Nadine had to take over running the boating business and she sort of felt well I thought we were doing that together right and I go well yes but it's actually not Working, it's not going to pay our bills, and it's not heading in a direction it's going to be able to do that. Yeah, and so I need to go off and do this. You know, that conversation sort of just—it sort of happened, right? And it evolved, and we just had to get on with it because yeah. they were both busy. And I probably learned from that that we sh- probably should have both sat down and both strategized and both been involved in that decision. Yeah, but I could sort of see it, and I and, and so I ran with it, and was very busy at doing that, mm-hmm. and didn't realize that I probably was had had forgotten to take my wife with me (laughs) so it sounds
0: like some of the the learnings for you is that it's it's still a joint vision even though it's a personal relationship with family Mm. and it's a business relationship with in many ways your family at Mm. work yes but there's still an overlap of of enrolling each other into what you're doing yeah and why yeah because it is about family ultimately, right? Fascinating. We're, only,
1: we're working to create something in the world, but we're, we're doing it for our family.
0: <laughs> yeah. Terry, it's been a fascinating conversation. Exactly what, uh, well, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but the reason I, I want to put this out is I want to be loud and proud about people who are taking a risk, who are backing themselves, who have the courage and who go through, how you eloquently put it, failure, learn and success. For me, that's the essence of, the journey of entrepreneurship and business is you've got to have the courage to make a decision, the courage to course correct when things are, or, or you're being presented with information that is inconsistent with the way you are going. It's almost like falling down six times and getting up seven. <laughs> so thank you very mm-hmm. much for spending the time with me today. I've certainly walked away with some more insights and I hope you've enjoyed it too. Yeah, so have I. Thank you.